Buddy and I are back. Sorry about the couple-week break between podcasts. Our family came into town, and that included two grandsons that demanded a lot of attention. (laughs) I have to brush up on my wrestling skills before they even walk through the door. Things have settled down. My wife, Muddy, and I have all recovered, so let's get back to it. After music, one of my favorite activities, which I believe is yours as well, is eating. Well, in this podcast, we are going to talk about music, food, and changing young people's lives. Maureen Womack, my marketing advisor, and Eric Nadell, Texas Rangers baseball announcer, introduced me to Chad Hauser, the founder and CEO for Cafe Momentum in downtown Dallas. What Chad, through his restaurant and other upcoming services, is doing for troubled teens is simply fantastic. Chad is one of this year's CNN heroes. After you listen to this podcast, Google CNN Heroes and watch a brief profile on how Chad works with and helps these young people. Eric Nadell joins us in the interview as well to talk about Chad and his personal role as the musical director for Cafe Momentum. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll all make sense in a few minutes. Amy, let's get this show underway. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Hey, I'm here in Treetop Studios with our interviewees, Chad Hauser, the founder, CEO, and executive chef for Cafe Momentum, and Eric Nadell, Hall of Fame Texas Ranger announcer, who also happens to be Muddy's favorite guest on the Dogger and Muddy Music Podcast. FYI, Muddy is my co-host in our family's Chocolate Lab Rescue. Last time Eric was here, Muddy worked his way up to the interview session and laid down between Eric and my feet. He was very comfy. We have a lot to talk about today. Cafe Momentum, Chad's Future Plans, some baseball, and a lot more. Muddy has handed over the mic to Chad and Eric, so let's roll. Hey, Chad, back on July 8th, in the Dallas Morning News, uh, Cafe Momentum was the feature article in the Metro page. In the cover pick, you were wearing a T-shirt that read, It Takes Guts to Be Gentle and Kind. Tell us about your thoughts on that shirt, would you? It seems, it seems to be kind of your philosophy. Well, that shirt was actually a riff on a shirt that Morrissey wore in a photo op back when he was the lead singer of The Smiths. Ah. So my homage to Morrissey. But I think in today's very divisive and polarizing times, it does take guts to be gentle and kind. It takes guts to, you know, listen to... I heard somebody the other day say, we're in the age of rage. And everybody's raging. You got rage about something, constantly raging about something. And I think it takes guts to say, hey, like, let's... Let's take a calm approach to this. Let's find solutions rather than just continuing to enrage ourselves about the problem. My sister-in-law was getting gas in a rural area, Texas, once. And then after the guy gave her gas, he saw her bumper sticker on the back and started screaming at her and said he he shouldn't have given her gas. It's like, really? Give me a break. Well, I mean, we live in a a time where uh, people can agree that they uh, appreciate and are grateful for the Affordable Care Act, but they hate Obamacare. Um, it's the same thing, exactly. right? So, exactly. <laughs> Somebody just wants to put a different name on it. Yeah, as my dad has always said, you can't fix stupid, not even with duct tape. And you know, this <laughs> the the level of we're we're so 
we're so trained to just look out of one eye or the other yes. instead of looking at the big picture. I and mean, plus, unfortunately, social media kind of helps that because once you start looking in a specific direction, then social media st- keeps sending you information from that direction. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the way the algorithms are set, definitely all you know is one side yeah. uh, of a story. But even, I mean, you watch the political ads on TV today, you, you know, you look at ads from both sides and you think, oh my God, we're doomed because either way we're getting the worst human being in the world to right. be our elected officials. So right. um, they can do no right on either side. That T-shirt, you carry that mantra into your workplace with Cafe Momentum. Can you expand upon that? I mean, it's, it's your story is fantastic, so please let me open up the... I'll, I'll, I'll work it back around to the T-shirt. Um, <laughs> Cafe Momentum is a, a labor of love for me. In 2008, I had the opportunity to teach eight young men inside a, a Dallas County juvenile detention facility how to make ice cream for an ice cream competition at the Dallas Farmer's Market. The moment I met uh, these eight young men, I realized immediately and embarrassingly that I had stereotyped them before I'd ever met them. You know, the way they right. walk. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just thought I was a better person than that. And, and then, you know, start working with the kids and uh, just such an incredible, incredible group of young men. My running joke is that all eight of these young men called me sir in 22 years of cooking. I've been called a lot of names in a lot of languages and a lot of kitchens. (laughs) Just never sir in any language. You know, we made ice cream together. Each of them made their own ice cream. They were tasting raspberries for the first time, fresh tarragon for the first time. When they made their ice cream, the, the, the county actually bussed them to the farmer's market two days later, and these kids stood so proud alongside college culinary students competing in this competition. Awesome. And one of them won the whole thing. And Kick ass. Oh, it was amazing. The only person more excited than him was me. And as like a proud father moment, you know, he was, he was so inspired by the moment and so motivated by the moment that he told me when he got released, he was going to get a job in a restaurant. And... And then, of course, asked my professional opinion um, on whether he should work at Wendy's or Chili's. And I I professionally told him, whoever hires you first. And I just drove home that day realizing that he was never going to make it to a Wendy's or Chili's. Whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, the truth is the system is rigged. It's stacked against him. Uh, We live in a country where uh, one out of every three black males born in this country will go to prison. One out of every six Hispanic males born in this country go to prison. Unbelievable. That that is not an indictment of individuals of different races. That is an indictment of a system that sets them up to fail. That's an indictment of a system that is bent to create a path, a negative path for them. This young man who has all the potential in the world will never see that potential because of choices that were made for him before he was ever born. The color of his skin, the socioeconomic class he was born into, the part of town he was born in, the schools that he has access to, the food desert that he lives in, all of these factors create a path for him that was that was headed to incarceration. And I just started thinking that my life is dictated by the exact same choices, but obviously through immense privilege. I was afforded multitude of resources and opportunity based on no choice that I ever made or nothing that I ever earned, but just because of those exact same factors. And I thought, man, somebody really needs to do something about this. Why is nobody doing anything about this? And then I realized 
I'm I'm contributing to the exact same system that I'm pissed off about if I'm not willing to do something myself. If I'm just going to be complacent, then I'm I'm a hypocrite. I didn't want to be a hypocrite, and and that led me on the path of continuing to work with these young men and and working in the juvenile department, taking volunteer classes in the juvenile department to learn as much as I could and and listen. And the the end result was what is today Cafe Momentum. That is fantastic. So the youth that you hire, where are they coming from? Have they been in prison? Yeah, 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 jail. So uh, elevator pitch, Cafe Momentum is a is a one of the top restaurants in Dallas. It's more importantly a 12-month paid post-release internship for young men and young ladies exiting Dallas County juvenile detention facilities. Okay. A little bit more expounded over the course of the 12 months the young men and young women will work their way through every single station in the restaurant in no particular order dishwasher, prep cook, line cook, busser, server, host, hostess. And the reason for that's three reasons for that. Uh, number one is they're learning new life skills and social skills and applying them in the different environments. Absolutely, They're learning what their strengths are and what their interests are. Uh, we had a young man a couple of weeks ago. We ran a Saturday night special, and we told the front of the house, the, we told the wait staff, the kids that are waiting tables, whoever sells the most specials gets to order an entree at the end of the night. This young man sold, sold us out of the specials in the first 45 minutes of dinner service. And here's the catch. He wasn't even waiting tables. Really? <laughs> and he's, he's a natural salesman. He's charismatic. He's great in front of people. That's great for him to know. That's great for him to be able to identify that that's, that's a strength for him, right? That carries beyond just a restaurant job. He, you know, Big time. Some of the most successful and charismatic people in the world are people that waited tables and honed their craft, so to speak. But the third and probably most important thing is they're learning what it means to be a team player. They're learning that if they don't get their job done, that that affects the other people in the restaurant's ability to get their job done too. Very good. In addition to all of that, we do have a team of case managers, licensed clinical social workers, and other directors that work to build an ecosystem of support around the kids so that we can holistically address um, all of the issues that have plagued them for the first 15, 16, 17 years of their life. So we address issues like housing. 62% of the kids that have entered the restaurant internship in the restaurant have been homeless. Yeah, I, f- I figured, are they from Dallas or did they just ended up in Dallas or who, who knows, right? They're probably well, we, both. We, we do partner with the Dallas County Juvenile Department, which encompasses the entire county. So you've got kids coming from as far east as Garland Mesquite, as far west as Irving, all the way through the southern sector of Dallas, and then even parts of Richardson are considered Dallas County. But they but they've got no family structure, so that's why it, what's led them probably to homelessness, right? Most of our kids, when they're homeless, have been abandoned. So they're 15 years old, and they're literally they are their own guardian. I would like to say that I don't always think it's an indictment of the parents. I think we always want to place blame, but you've got usually it's a single mom. And she's trying to fend on her own, too. She's trying to take care of herself and maybe the other children, and, and she can only find housing for herself and the younger children, and, and they won't allow teenagers. So, oh, you know, the, yeah, or it may just be she and her son or daughter, but she can't find a place for both of them to stay. So she finds a place for her to stay, and they have to find a place for themselves to stay. It does create a lot of stress on kids though especially young men because they're concerned about their mom and is she okay is she going to be all right you have 15 year old young men that are by just nature the 
the, the man of the house, so to speak. And at 15, none of us are a man of the house. We, you know, we're I, I, at 15 years old. I, I was lucky if I walked out of the house with the matching socks and shoes. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of stress on them. And so, so our team works to address those issues like housing, but doing it uh, in a one-on-one an individualized approach so that we are working with each individual, whether they're on their own or they are with family, whether it be a parent, a grandparent, both grandparents, giving them kind of that individual attention and, and respect that they deserve instead of making it a one size fits all. In addition, you know, we, we help the kids get back in school. On on average, our kids are about two grade levels behind. And as you can imagine, school's one of the very first places that told them they were bad and told them they were dumb. Right, right. Not a good taste in their mouth for school. But right. we know education is important just from common sense perspective. But data tells us, right? I mean, the median income of a 25-year-old high school dropout in our country is less than $10,000 a year. Ooh. Yeah. Well, um, especially, ooh, when I tell you the poverty line is $16,000. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and, and so they're already set up on a path to earn an income that is less than the poverty line. And with, So they have to fight to survive. And where's the motivation? Right. Right? Where's the motivation? If it becomes a scarlet letter you wear on your chest that says, this is who I am, because we as a society have put that on you, you're already kind of in give up. This is all I got. This is all, you know, this is my lot in life. So we work to get them all back in school. We help them get government-issued IDs, bank accounts. Uh, We have a partnership with Parkland Hospital here in Dallas. So all of our kids through the Parkland Cares program not only have access to free medical care, they have access to an actual primary care physician. That is awesome. You know, one of the most startling things to me is, or interesting things, I don't know what adjective I should use, um, but the number of kids that you ask them if you've ever if they've ever been in an ambulance, and they've all have, because that's how you get proper medical care is you call nine one one. You wait till whatever issue you have right, is that right, drastic right. that you then call nine one one. Because why would you want to go sit? And you go through the bureaucratic paperwork and be inundated with questions and paperwork walking into something that's institutional and you don't trust institutions. And then you got to sit there for 16, 18 hours while you're not feeling good and wait to be seen. Instead, you just wait till you're gravely ill and then call 911. Wow. Wow. And and I read a stat in the article that said that 85% 85% of your, uh, the people, young, young men that work for you or young people that work for you don't reoffend in the first year. What's the typical stat? So how, how, how much better are you helping these kids in having a chance? Yes. Well, in the state of Texas, 48.3% of young people that go to jail once will be back in less than a year. Uh, of release. So, and ours is 15%. When you actually put dollars and cents to that, uh, and by that I simply mean we pay to incarcerate people. We're taxpayers. Our tax money goes to incarcerating people. And in Texas, we pay $127,000 per offense to incarcerate young people. So when you, when you look at that and calculate the the savings comes out to twenty six point two nine million dollars that we've saved taxpayers uh, in working with six hundred twenty four kids from our first pop up dinner in June two thousand eleven to date. Repeat that number. Twenty six point two nine million dollars, and I always tell Mayor Mike Rawlings when I see him that's how much money he owes me. <laughs> <laughs> Has has Mike offered to reimburse you? Well, I keep telling him. I actually went through a, a business course at the Macomb School of Business last summer, put on by BBVA Compass, 
uh, bank and I was a part of this uh, national cohort, we did business practices. So I actually had to calculate the return on investment from the money that we've taken in to uh, build and operate the restaurant to the taxpayer savings. And the return on investment is 747%, which I always tell Mayor Rawlings, you would never have to advocate for a bond election to fix another pothole in our city ever again. We could just have little signs like, you know, the Domino's trucks now that roll out and fix potholes. We just have little cafe minimum trucks that roll out and fix all the potholes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he'll pick up on that. Let's jump over to your good friend, Eric Nadell. How how did you two sync up and uh, how do you work together? Uh, I had heard about Cafe Momentum pretty much when the pop-up dinner started, but uh, for one reason or another, I hadn't actually gotten there until last summer uh, when a mutual friend of ours, Allison Ainsworth, uh, dragged me in there one night and said, you need to get in here and and meet Chad Hauser and talk to him. You guys have so much in common. Uh, you're both into baseball. You're both into music. And obviously, you're both into food. Uh, so we, You're a very skinny gentleman. I have some dietary guidelines. They're not the easiest thing to follow, which is one of the reasons that I hadn't gone there before. I didn't realize just how accessible the menu would be to me. Um, but when we got in there and we started talking, Chad, after a while, uh, broached this idea uh, of having music at Cafe Momentum uh, to add to what they're doing, both for the customers and you know for the kids working there as well. And you know, I had booked bands for a, a place on Greenville Avenue called the Vagabond for a couple of years, sure, uh, and had also for seven years at that time uh, done a concert, a benefit concert for Focus on Teens around my birthday in May at the Kessler, and. You know, I really kind of missed the fact that I wasn't booking bands on a regular basis anymore (laughs) other than once a year. And so Chad came up with this idea, or they'd already hatched this idea, Chad and Allison, of having a monthly concert there and asked if I would want to be involved in it, either attaching my name to it or booking the bands or both. And uh, all of it was right up my alley. So you've added on your Facebook page that you're also a bookie, I guess? (laughs) Just... uh, Music director. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I believe right. is what I've, I've self-titled myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds better than bookie. Yeah, it's true. I, I, yeah, I, or a booker. I, 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 I apologize. I probably used an inappropriate term yeah. there. Well, awesome. Before we started the interview, you were mentioning some people that you're going to try and sync up with or some other past artists. Maybe, why don't you give a little promo to some of these artists that have been through or will be coming Yeah, to. we started the started the event last year, Thanksgiving weekend, since the restaurant is at Thanksgiving Square. We right. thought that would be fitting. And Daphne Willis played the first show. And then we ran through the first year. You know, we sell 100 tickets uh, at $85 each. It includes the incredible meal, which is designed in part by the musical artists of that evening. Oh, good. In so conjunction it's a with set meal for that night. For it's a family-style dinner. All yeah, right. The set menu that the, the artist helps design with Chad. Twice we've had to have all vegan meals with our performers, Emily Elbert and then Liz Longley being vegans. Okay. Um, but we had, I think the second show, we had Griffin House. Um, Charlie Mars has played there. Uh, Jim Suler. Oh, has Jim, played I there. Um, Shelly Wright played there, yeah. which was an amazing get for us, since she normally plays much, much bigger venues. Right, right. We have uh, uh, Walt Wilkins playing the upcoming show in November. A uh, young, upcoming uh, singer-songwriter from France, who goes by the name of Million Miles, is playing in December, along with Daphne Willis. I think she's the new Nora Jones. 
Do you um, really? She's incredible. And then we've just booked January. We'll have uh, Will Courtney and Carson McCone playing that show. Seth Walker's going to be playing next April. Uh, Ryan Montblow, a singer-songwriter from Boston who I've been a fan of for several years, is going to play in February. So we're still, we're still working on next year's schedule, but I'm really excited about doing year two. Great. So when you walked into the restaurant, the first time, second time, what did you see that touched you? Well, the first thing you see is the kids working there. Uh, you know, the, you deal initially with a host or a hostess, uh, then with a wait person. And, you know, you've heard about who these kids are when you go in there, but until you actually see them and deal with them, um, you don't realize what a moving experience, what an inspirational experience it can be. And then, you know, some of the numbers are written on the walls about what the, what the restaurant has done, how many, how many kids have gone through the program, what the philosophy of the restaurant is, where all the food is locally sourced. And, you know, these are the kind of restaurants I'm normally looking for anyway. You know, there's a wall of plates up there, which when you go and read it is, is truly inspirational. And for me, as a guy who doesn't like fancy places, doesn't like to dress up, I'm constantly looking for restaurants that are super casual and have incredible food. And that's exactly, you know, what this place is. But the, the vibe in there, the, the love that is evident in every aspect of the restaurant is just, you know, inescapable, unavoidable. And you combine that with the food, which is just incredible, even for somebody like me who's gluten-free and dairy-free and really hard to feed. Hard to feed. Um, it's a spectacular experience. So now for me to be able to go there once a month and you know, just be part of the program is, you know, it's really fun. And, you know, it's, it's actually, it's a tremendous honor to be associated with this whole thing. That's fantastic. Chad, are you getting calls all the time from other people trying to understand your model? Oh, yes. Calls, emails, private messages on social media. (laughs) The response from Dallas as a community has been, overwhelming but even to see the national response has been just unbelievable and and with that comes a lot of people wanting to replicate uh what we're doing and i was quoted in an interview once before saying that i wanted to open up more cafe momentums and starbucks i didn't realize that was going to be the title of the article I also didn't realize that there are 28,000 Starbucks around the world. <laughs> Fun fact, in China, they open a new Starbucks every 15.8 hours. Yeah, I can't imagine opening up a new restaurant every 15 months. But <laughs> our goal is definitely to scale and grow the concept. We've actually been working with our friends at Old School Cafe in San Francisco, which is a very similar concept on how do we combine forces, help each other, and and then eventually help create more and more um, restaurants and what does that look like. But it, kind of in the short term, we have some pro- other projects we're working on, a food truck, a sandwich shop, and then eventually we would like to open uh, restaurant number two in Houston at the end of next year. Okay. Now, outside of restaurants, though, you've also got some big plans. Some SMU students came and studied your environment, worked with the kids to understand it. Yeah. And they talk to you, and you've got something coming up, a, a new project coming up at Thanksgiving Square, right? Yes. Well, we uh, in, in the fall of 2015, we did a study 
with the the Maddie team, which is the grad student program focused on human centered design at the Hunt Institute at SMU. Brilliantly led by uh, Jessica Burnham currently, but formerly uh, created and led by an, an amazing woman named Kate Canales. And Kate and her partner Gray came in and led a student team, grad students, just kind of studying our kids, studying our program, and, and kind of focusing it around resources. One of the things that came to light in the study was that we create a tremendous impact in a very limited amount of uh, hours of of, of influence with the kids, right? In other words, we're working with them six to eight hours a day. Um, so there's six to eight hours of influence. There are other forms of influence, the other 16 to 18 hours a day. And a lot of times it's, it's not neg- it's toxic. Right, exactly. The end result of the study was that if we could create a, a community services center where our kids could engage even when they're not working, that we're, we're now all of a sudden tipping the scales the other way. Our hours of influence are going up to 16, 18 hours a day. And one of the things that they clued in on in the study was that in a small posit of hours of influence, we're creating a lot of self-advocacy because we're empowering the kids with resources and we're walking alongside them to utilize these resources so that things that are a little bit overwhelming, anxiety-fueling, institutional, healthcare, banks, school, you name it, we're removing a lot of those anxieties by walking alongside them and, and doing that. They begin to advocate for themselves. So by creating a physical space that we control and can aggregate all of those resources, we're going to be able to expand their impact. We already have Parkland committed to coming in and, and bringing their giant mobile hospital unit once a month, wow. uh, doing physicals for the kids, health screenings. We've got different optometrists, dentists that are uh, engaging in the space. We're hiring an education coordinator so that we can bring school in-house and really, really meet them where they're at with their needs on school. We've got private therapy rooms so that our kids can go through counseling. And I think that's a very understated theme in what we do. All of our kids come from trauma, just various levels and degrees. And with trauma, when you kind of break that down and study the toxicity that floods your, your brain, it's insane. I mean, really and truly insane. We, we do on a regular basis, our staff will do just a little quiz. We'll randomly pick one of our interns um, that we work with and just a little ten, quick 10 question quiz on ACE quiz, ACE being an acronym for adverse childhood experiences. Mm. And, you know, some of the questions on the quiz were witnessed the death of a loved one, were molested, kind of heavy stuff. And, and our, the lowest score we've ever gotten was nine out of 10. So um, having a place to provide that kind of ongoing private therapy on a regular basis, I think is going to be tremendous in itself. And and, and also just just having a safe space that they can go. And if you've had a rough night, you know, home wasn't so pleasant the night before that there's a couch you can just go take a nap on before work. No questions asked, just, just kind of relax. We also have a wellness room. Um, we're going to do boxing classes, yoga, anything that doesn't require weights because the insurance company doesn't like you. They're okay with you putting knives and fi- putting kids around knives and fire, but weights. Now that's a that's a whole another. <laughs> I can understand that. You're, you're very... So we're really excited. Um, the community services center should open after Thanksgiving, and 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 we feel like that is the last kind of piece of that ecosystem in order to be able to scale. That is so cool. Having worked with or been involved with a stew pot, do you also 
supply mailboxes in for some of these young people as well? Yeah, we definitely do. The restaurant's address becomes a home address for oh, a lot bad. of kids to oh, be bad. able to get mail, whether it's for court stuff, school stuff, what have you. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Even some of our former interns are still getting mail at the restaurant. I'm like, hey, you need to do a change of address. <laughs> That's a good point. You mentioned 12 months. Do you work it so that in 12 months they head out? Or it's kind of optional? Or where do these kids go after 12 months? So our program is based on four tiers. And so each tier, about approximately three months. Um, It's all self-paced, so I always say 12-ish months. Not every single one of our kids starts at the same starting line. And so to to create this kind of finite, arbitrary, timeline to finish line, it seems a little bit wrong. You know, disrespectful and out of touch for sure. So the kids work their way through the four tiers. Each tier comes with increased accountability, increased resources, and increased pay. So when they're in tier one, they make $9 an hour. When they're in tier two, they make 10. Tier three is 11. And tier four is $12 an hour. As they work their way through the tiers, uh, once they get to tier four, they will have written a resume. Uh, They will also um, have done mock interviews. And so in tier four, they'll actually interview for a position with one of our employment partners uh, for an externship based on what their strengths and interests are. And they begin an externship. So they'll work part-time with us, part-time with the employment partner. And then upon graduation, they go on ahead and and switch to full-time with the employment partner, which allows us to kind of ease the transition from the first kind of home that they've had into a, a new home. That is fantastic. I also understand you're up for, well, you've already earned an award, but it could be even bigger for CNN Heroes. Can you tell us about that? Yes, sir. CNN selects 32 individuals a year as heroes, and they they film a, a really nice little short documentary on the individual and, and, and their work. Um, so they came out late winter, early spring uh, this year and, and filmed myself and followed one of our interns who at the time was, was homeless and living in a motel with his mom and, and, and announced me as one of their heroes for 2018. Uh, and the next couple of weeks, they'll, we'll find out if I made the, the top 10 finalists. And if so, then there'll, there's a, a public vote or November and they have a big production in December hosted by Anderson Cooper, where they announced the, the hero of the year. So up in I'm, New York city, it's a, it's a weird feeling. Honestly, I, I would love nothing more than to be named hero of the year because the winner um, gets a hundred thousand dollars for their organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also very interesting. I mean, I'm very conscious of the fact that I get a lot of credit and I feel like sometimes it's undeserved because I don't, I get a lot of credit for these amazing kids doing amazing things. They're showing up every day, um, despite the odds, despite the homelessness, despite the, the labels that we put on them, they're showing up every day and they're putting their trust into to me when they don't really have any reason to, you know? And so I always say it's, it's an interesting feeling to me because I, I feel like it's their award, not mine for sure, but I will happily go accept the award and recognition that it brings them if that be the case. Well, I beg to differ. I mean, you're, they're looking to you and you're giving them leadership and guidance and you're putting them in a position to win for the first freaking time in their life. And that's, I, I think it's a, a, a pretty, uh, 
I was in a conversation recently and felt kind of like my favorite comedian is Mitch Hedberg. And he has this whole joke about he went into a radio station. He sat down. The guy said, why are you here? And he's like, I didn't know if I was just a really deep question or if I was just in the wrong studio. (laughs) 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 But somebody just kind of said, what do you do? And I thought, man, is this really deep or you just really have, I thought we've met before and you know about Cafe Moon. Like I, and, but it was a deep question and, I, and I, it just put me in this kind of deep thought and I just started rambling out loud and, and I said, you know, I, at the end of the day, I think that what Cafe Momentum provides the kids is not just me, but everybody that comes in the restaurant is sending them a message that they believe in them. Yeah. And I, that's the change. Uh, it's amazing what happens in someone's life when they feel like somebody believes in them. Absolutely. Eric, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, you've been working closely with them. and with, with Well, the, the thing that I'd, I'd like to add is about the experience that our musicians have had uh, in the evenings that they've had at Cafe Momentum. You know, these are singer-songwriters who devote their lives to writing music, traveling around the country, playing all sorts of different venues. And... Every single one of them has been so moved by that Sunday evening that they spent at Cafe Momentum that they've stayed in touch with me or stayed in touch with Chad, told other musicians about it so that I'm now getting calls from other musicians and musicians' agents wanting to be a part of this thing. A lot of times they go up there without knowing a whole lot about it. I try and find musicians who I know are going to get into the whole thing, that are going to get it. Right. And in some cases, I know the musicians. In some cases, I just know about them from other musicians who I know. But the way the music business works, once a musician gets to a certain point, he's not booking his own shows. His agent is booking the shows. So in a lot of cases, the musician comes and shows up that night without really knowing much about what they're getting into. And by the time they leave, they're all just visibly touched, visibly moved. Uh, musicians traditionally, you know, they play their show and they, and they get going. You know, they're off to the next place, wherever it is. It doesn't happen here. They stay till the end. They're usually there until the very last person leaves the place. They're there to get their picture taken with every kid on that staff before they leave. Beautiful. And it's, you know, it's really gratifying to be a part of all that. And I would love to add, I think one of my favorite stories so far is listening to Lloyd Maines talk about the food. <laughs> he ha- Lloyd has a great story about how the, it was Alabama, they played somewhere in Alabama and the guy said, he said they had driven all night long to get to this thing in Alabama. They show up an hour before the show. They're starving. They haven't eaten. The guy says, you know, can I go get you guys Subway? And they're like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And so he brings a six-inch sub and tells them they have to split it. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. For Lloyd, that we were just told that he couldn't have, I think it was cucumbers and radishes because they give him gas. But everything else was written, you know, the whole menu was written around. Uh, the likes and, and loves and fond memory dishes that Lloyd and Terry had That's so cool. that evening. And I do think that that does contribute sometimes to the ambiances. And I, I think that's part of a lot of times I think 
for musicians, I think it's a transaction, right? You know, like right. I, I show up, I sing, I get paid, I leave. Right. right. Um, right. but they're, when they come into the Sunday suppers, it, it's, you're, you're sitting down with family in, in somebody's home and you're sharing a, a really wonderful meal. I just think the kind of the energy all the way around, just from people passing platters of food to one another, to they immediately feel a connectedness with the musician because they know the musician has helped design the, the whole menu, really. To, to even, you know, having Eric there. And I think one of the coolest things about Eric Nadell is he is a deity. I mean, this man is walks on water, not just here, but around the country. He's in this freaking baseball hall of fame, you know, and he's just, and I know on my end, cause people are like, well, do you think, is Eric actually going to be there? Is Eric, I'm like, what the hell kind of question? Yeah. Uh, you know, you think Eric would get a picture with me, you think whatever. And then to see when, you know, to see Eric is one of the most unassuming human beings in the whole thing. Like if you didn't know he was freaking Eric Nadell, uh, you would just be like, so who's, that seems like a nice guy just kind of walking around talking to people yeah. being beautifully being approachable, unbelievably approachable. And I think that that sets incredible energy for the evening that we are all just a, a group of people gathered together to, to break bread and listen to great music and, and a lot of great stories. I mean, I think that's one of the really true highlights and cornerstones of the, of the Sunday suppers is, is the, the musicians really get into telling stories. I'm, I'm telling you, Charlie Mars, he could reinvent himself as a comedian and probably make more money than he is writing songs. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, this has been very touching, very moving. I'm excited. I want to follow follow you as long as I can and what you're doing and et cetera. I, I think this is going to be fantastic. Uh, I think we're going to see more press about what you're doing beyond CNN. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that another time. But you both love baseball. We'll kind of close on this. We'll step out of this phenomenal story of Cafe Momentum. Tonight, the first game of the World Series kicks off. And then next Monday, by next Monday, when I publish this show, if weather permits, five games will have been played. So, Eric, you first. What are your thoughts on this World Series? As we, go, Who's going to win? And uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the one thing I've learned about baseball is to not make predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely will not make predictions. I will tell you, though, who I'm rooting for. I generally root for the team that has gone the longest without winning. Yeah, and for I'm the Dodgers, it's been 30 years. Isn't that amazing? And because I, they use, they've always kind of been the team. At least you know, they've won their division five years in a row. You know, right. this will be the second straight year in the World Series. It's unusual for me to root for the National League team. You know, we're we're American leaguers here, right? Uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but I'm going to root for the Dodgers. The Red Sox have won three times. Yeah. You know, in the last 15 years, right. uh, enough already. You know, I also find that a I wouldn't say all, but a large contingent of their fan base is now extremely entitled. Right. And like the Yankees used to be, yeah. right? And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Dodgers have been one in 30 years. So, you know, I'm rooting for them, which is unfortunate in that I'd love to see Mitch Moreland, Danny, and Kinsler yes. get the World Series rings that they should have gotten in 2011 right. had a fly ball been caught. But, <laughs> but we um, won't hold a grudge. No. But. Uh, so, so I'm rooting for the Dodgers, but I, you know, I have no idea who's going to win. <laughs> 
Chad, your thoughts on baseball, on the World Series? Oh, man. Um, now I feel like I can't say anything but I'm rooting for the Dodgers because, <laughs> golly, honestly, what I'm rooting for is seven games. I, I, mean, right, those are great. I don't those think are there's the anything more electric than yeah. every single pitch in the seventh game of a World Series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's overtime and game seven of Stanley Cup hockey. I mean, those are the only two things where it's like, my God. God, this yeah. is intense um, for an extended period of time. So I would love to see seven games piggybacking a little bit, but going contrarian to Eric, I would love to see Mitch and Ian win a World Series. I think those those are two really good guys, and they've put their heart and soul into playing for uh, whatever team they've been playing for, whether it be the Rangers or, in Ian's case, as Detroit and Anaheim as well uh, as Boston. And I can't think of two better dudes to, to win a World Series. So I'll root for those two guys. Great. To win it in Game 7. All right. <laughs> well, I love it. This, this has been a fantastic show. I mean, a moving story of what you've done at Cafe Momentum. So the best way for people to make a reservation at Cafe Momentum? The absolute best way is to call 214-303-1234. Repeat that number. That is 214-303-1234. And that's the number to Cafe Momentum. That's the absolute best way to make a reservation. But if you just must insist on doing it online... You can go to cafemomentum.org and click the reservation link, and it'll take you to Open Table to make a reservation. Chad, Eric, this has been great. Thank you all so very, very much. And uh, Muddy, can Muddy come to the rent? He can't come. Muddy can come anytime. The health department, well, unless Muddy is certified service dog, the health department won't let him in the restaurant, but I will let him on the patio any day of the week and have homemade treats for him as well. Whoa, Muddy, whoa, Muddy, Muddy just stood up. Muddy, Muddy just, just sat up. up. He's coming over. That was my, you know, I only had one goal here today, and that was I'll never be in the Hall of Fame, but I can overtake Eric as Muddy's favorite guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been awesome. Y'all take care, and we'll see you down the road. Thank Thanks, you. Doug. Thank you. Well, I owe Chad, Eric, Maureen, and you, the listener, an apology. In the show, I said I would publish this podcast on Monday. I didn't make it. It is being published today, Wednesday, October 31st, Halloween. So number one, happy Halloween, and please may all the trick-or-treaters of all ages have a fun and safe day and evening. In looking back at their World Series wishes, only one part of one of their wishes came true. The Bosox did win thanks to Chad's support, but it did not go seven games. Eric's rooting did not help pull the Dodgers through to victory either. In turn, I'm going to get my good friend Howard and others mad at me because I've been rooting for the Boston Red Sox since the days of Tony Canigliaro and Carl Yastrzemski in the 60s. But I too was looking for a Dodger win. I'm totally cool with a Bosox win and will keep wearing my Bosox hat. But it would have been good for baseball for the Dodgers to hold the trophy. I hope you, the listener, agree with me that number one, Chad Hauser, along with the assistance of his friends, Eric Nadell, others, and the wonderful young men and women of Cafe Momentum, are doing a fantastic job. This story needs to be heard. So be on the lookout for the announcement of the 10 finalists for the CNN Hero Award in early November, so that when Chad is nominated, you can vote for him. 
Hey, another action item is to forward this Dog or Muddy podcast interview and or a link to Chad's profile up on the CNN Hero webpage to your friends so that they can hear this story as well. Thank you so much for listening in. Let's talk again next week. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel or speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? I cannot see over Trust is to falter and to taste to receive. Is this a dream? I won't.